From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm Jennifer Shutt, Budget and Appropriations Reporter. And I'm Niels Lesniewski, the uh, Chief Correspondent covering the uh, White House and Congress at uh, CQ Roll Call. And Niels is joining us this week because I wanted to talk about all of the sort of various dynamics that Congress and the Trump administration and the Biden transition team are going to face during the next, you know, four to five weeks as lawmakers really try to wrap up all dozen of the fiscal 21 appropriations bills, address coronavirus relief negotiations that have been stalled for months, Um, and try to get to some other sort of big ticket items. While there's still a lot of uncertainty about control of the Senate, um, and then there's some sort of speculation um, without any evidence, of course, from the Trump campaign that they are still somehow going to win re-election. So Niels is here to sort of break that all down for us this week um, and give us a sense of what's actually going to happen in the next few weeks as Congress approaches what is a bit of a strange lame duck session. That's right. We are looking at a a lame duck session that is going to be uh, kind of a complicated one, I think. Uh, And and whether or not there's much done at all on the spending front uh, beyond a continuing resolution that punts matters into next year uh, sort of remains to be seen, partly because we don't yet know Uh, what president-elect Biden would actually prefer. There's going to be a lot of uh, tea-leave reading from his advisors, and particularly folks like Chris Coons, a Democratic senator from Delaware who is on the Senate Appropriations Committee, as to what exactly the Biden team wants to see, because any best guess in a scenario like this is that Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, although she says she wants to do uh, an omnibus spending bill next month, uh, the best guess is that she will ultimately take her cues on this from the incoming Biden administration. And we've heard a lot of speculation from Missouri GOP Senator Roy Blunt. He is a senior appropriator. He chairs the Labor HHS Education Subcommittee, which is the largest non-defense discretionary spending bill. He's also very plugged into GOP leadership, um, not only in the Senate, but also in the House. And he has been very sort of cautious in the last week or so about whether or not Congress can get all 12 of these spending bills and a COVID relief package cleared. Um, You know, he was saying last week during a Washington Post live event that everyone's always really optimistic heading into a lame duck session, um, but it's usually a lot more challenging than everyone thinks to actually get legislating done. And that's usually when you know how the balance of power is going to shift in January. And that's something that um, the Senate won't know until January 5th at the earliest when those two Georgia Senate seats go to runoff races. And right now, while the Associated Press um, and the vote tallies in key states indicate that Joe Biden is the next president of the United States, and a lot of people across the board are calling him president-elect, Trump um, and his campaign are trying to throw cold water on this, and they're sort of stopping his transition team 
um, from kind of, you know, formally starting the transition. So how is all of that going to factor into what's usually somewhat granular negotiations between appropriators on Capitol Hill? Well, Jen, the, the first thing that came to mind as you were sort of setting up this question about how these negotiations will go is that one thing that might be left unclear with Senate control still in question is whether or not Democrats are going to want to make a push to roll back some of the uh, family planning and abortion funding restrictions that are contained in spending bills, that have been contained in spending bills uh, throughout the, the Trump administration. Uh, we know that in an era in which the Democrats have more control, particularly if they have control of all, all the chambers uh, of government, that those uh, family planning restrictions in the foreign aid budget and elsewhere are generally uh, weakened from where they would be currently. There, there's more access to uh, funding for organizations that provide abortion services, even if the federal government is not paying for abortion itself. Uh, and, and But that could cause things to be delayed because you could see a scenario where uh, Speaker Pelosi President-elect Biden, potential majority leader Schumer, uh, and people like uh, Rosa DeLauro, who chairs the Labor HHS Education Subcommittee in the House, a Democrat from Connecticut, who is a candidate for the chairwoman of the full committee in the House, where they would want to wait if they thought that they had a, a legitimate shot at taking the Senate and being able to uh, Get the, get the appropriations language on these matters adjusted in their favor. And passing another continuing resolution wouldn't really be that unprecedented. It's actually something that back in 2016, the Trump transition team signaled to, you know, then Speaker Paul Ryan, a former Republican from Wisconsin, that they did not want them negotiating all of the remaining spending bills and that they wanted a CR into the next calendar year so that then the Trump administration could come in and try to influence um, you know, certain aspects of spending level and policy. And so that is something that the Biden campaign could do as well, although there is less certainty about how that would play out given that any additional continuing resolution would likely go into at least mid-February. And so by then, you're going to know the outcome of those Georgia runoff races. And while Democrats are optimistic, they can pick up both seats for a 50-50 Senate, which would most likely uh, be sort of democratically controlled by Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, that isn't a certainty. And so you could do another continuing resolution until next year and then get much the same bills that you would get in the lame duck session of Congress because you'd still have a Democratic House negotiating with a Republican Senate that would very likely still be led by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Yes, and the other consideration, however, if you if you're want to talk about reasons why they may end up with a continuing resolution, even if it's not uh, the scenario that most any appropriator would favor in this current context is we, we can't ignore the 
sort of factor of the unpredictability of President Trump as a lame duck president. Uh, we know already from what we saw uh, just on Monday of this week when the uh, Secretary of Defense was sort of summarily dismissed in a tweet, uh, although apparently some reporting said that the Chief of Staff, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows had given him a little bit of a heads up. Uh, if there are more personnel movements at departments and agencies, if there are uh, sort of arguments uh, that the president wants to make sort of on his way out of the White House or on his way out of to Mar-a-Lago, as the case may be, I don't know uh, whether or not negotiating all 12 spending bills is going to end up making a whole lot of sense if there's a chance that there's anything in any of those 12 spending bills that sort of for lack of a better term, the president throws a fit and decides to veto the whole package uh, just just because of something that he doesn't like. The thing that comes to mind, uh, which may be more in the defense authorization package, but the thing that comes to mind is if Congress decides that they are going to require military bases named after Confederate generals to be renamed as part of the defense appropriation bill, you might get a veto of the entire omnibus. Yeah, and that is another thing that could also apply to the military construction and VA spending bill because House Democrats included a provision in their Melcon VA bill that said no um, military construction funds can go to any projects on any of the military installations named for Confederate officers. And that's something that Republicans on that subcommittee and on the House Appropriations Committee overall push back on very strongly. And so I think that's another fight that even if the Defense Authorization Act gets conference between the House and Senate um, in the next few weeks, and so even if appropriators can use the language there as kind of a guidepost for the Defense Appropriations Bill and the Milcon VA Bill, you know, that's still another package that he's going to have to sign where he's essentially eating his words and where he is has you know really dug in his heels in some tweets on saying he wants these bases named for Confederates to stay named for Confederates. And so that wouldn't just be one signature on a bill, um, the defense authorization bill, but it would be, you know, two signatures. And so I'm not really sure if that's something he's gonna be willing to accept um, or what the timing on that would be, you know, all of these are likely going to be coming after various states certify their presidential election results. And so at that point, it won't just be the Associated Press and vote tallies indicating the next president. It will start to become much more official. And so if that sort of increases his frustration level and his anger level, um, he may just say, I'm done. And then you have a situation you know, where Congress has to just sort of run things on their own for a few weeks, which would be a pretty interesting experiment. That that certainly could come to pass. And we're entering into a really unpredictable period. Uh, the other thing that uh, comes to mind in terms of where the spending discussion could go is whether or not 
there's a decision to leave some of the bills by the wayside. So if we if we found ourselves in a situation, uh, and lawmakers found themselves in a situation where it was apparent that there were particular provisions that that President Trump would be threatening to veto, uh, an alternative to going fully to a continuing resolution would be uh, to sort of pick out the bills that have the offending provisions, which uh, I'm not sure if Republicans would want to go along with, because in this case, you might end up pulling out the defense bill and the military construction uh, VA bill, uh, probably along with the labor HHS education bill. Uh, but the question then would be, could you pull out some of the bills and get sort of the quote-unquote low-hanging fruit through and have a, a sort of four or five bill or six bill package with a continuing resolution funding the rest of the government? Uh, that is always an option that has been used in the past on, on a number of occasions. And frankly, that wouldn't shock me either. And Niels, what do you think the actual outcome is going to be for coronavirus relief legislation during the lame duck? You've heard from pretty much everyone that they want a package during the lame duck session of Congress, but it seems like Democrats and Republicans are interpreting these election results very differently and that Democrats are still advocating for a package somewhere in the $2 trillion price tag, while as Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is that his party is still only going to support something in the $500 billion to maybe $1 trillion range. And we really haven't heard from Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin of whether or not he's going to be speaking with Pelosi again or whether or not those negotiations are going to restart. And they just have a few weeks to come together on what has been you know, a months-long stalemate. So do you think they can do it while also trying to negotiate spending bills and defense authorization, and McConnell continues to push through judges. I don't know where the agreement lies that can be had at this point uh, between uh, Speaker Pelosi and, and the Trump administration. Every time the numbers seem to go uh, higher, we hear again from, from McConnell in the Senate uh, that the economic numbers uh, are looking better and in a smaller package is is more uh, to the liking of Senate Republicans. So I don't know where the number lies. What wouldn't surprise me is if the president-elect, uh, Joe Biden, says that he will take whatever he can get now. That sort of was the message from Senator Coons uh, Sunday on uh, this week, the uh, the ABC Sunday morning show, uh, was that getting a small deal now does not preclude doing more uh, when Biden is president uh, after January 20th. And I think if that is actually the message of the Biden transition operation, then it becomes more possible to accept uh, for Democrats the numbers that are closer to the McConnell uh, numbers. They may not want McConnell's policy. They may want uh, something different in terms of the mix of how the money is spent. Uh, but that wouldn't surprise me. And of course, the other thing that I will say, because we are going to be doing this 
most likely after Thanksgiving at this point, in all, in all estimation, is, um, and I apologize, uh, Jen, that we may be looking at the same thing. So when we were having the discussion at the start of this podcast about the uh, spending bills and we're having the conversation about the emergency assistance for COVID, uh, I think you and I both know that if we get to the point where we're in the second week of December and we're past the December 10th date that the uh, House of Representatives was supposed to be going home for the year, uh, that we may in fact be looking all at one giant bill, including the COVID relief, however much of it may come. Yes. And we will be keeping track of all of these sort of various scenarios during the coming weeks. That does it for us this week. I'm budget and appropriations reporter Jennifer Shutt. And I'm chief correspondent Niels Lesniewski. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Mm-hmm.